Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, I thank you tonight for being in the house of the Lord. What a privilege to hear from you. What an honor to delight in your presence. We give you thanks for the worship team tonight that did such an excellent job. We give you thanks for their lives and their dedication and their efforts to come before your presence with thanksgiving, gratefulness. We pray tonight that your word would be a good seed planted in good hearts that would give forth good fruit. And that we not be wasting our time or distracted in our destiny or detoured in our direction. I pray, O oh God, that your word would convict our hearts. That you might circumcise our heart of all the fat that comes around us to keep us from being convicted by your word and moving in the direction of your instruction. We give you thanks that being under your instruction is like being under the dew of heaven. Everything flourishes upon the meditation of your word. It's like a tree planted next to the water giving forth fruit in its season. Everything we do prospers because we're doing it according to your instruction. Give peace and joy and righteousness in our hearts a large inheritance so that the nations might say, look what great things God is doing amongst them as they witness the peace in our homes, the unity in our marriages, the purpose in our families, the significance in the heart of our children. We give you thanks for an inheritance in Christ Jesus. Prosper your word in the hearts of your people tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. As we were gathered with the men on Monday night, we were covering Judges chapter 11, and we ran into the character of Jephthah. I don't even know if I said it right. Jephthah. And this gentleman soon had a lot of issues to deal with in his life, the first of which he was born of a prostitute. Apparently, his father had an extramarital affair. And while the dictates of Judges chapter 11 verse 1 make for a best of times, worst of times events. This guy, Jephthah, the Giladite, was a mighty man of valor, which means he was ready to fight the battles of the Lord as an incredible warrior. He had a reputation of being intense in his neighborhood. And there, the only downfall was he was the son of a harlot. He had a past that was really messed up. And to overcome our past is a great dilemma that we all have. There was one woman in the Bible who lost her sons and immediately she went over and she put some stones together and she wanted to stay there and weep over her lost children. And the prophet says, listen, that's not God's game plan. God has significance for you in the future. You can't live in your past. You got to say amen to that. You cannot set up an altar to things like being the son of a harlot because that would be the end of your destiny. So God wants us to move from that place to a place where this man was able to move and we were able to enjoy his life in Judges chapter 11. I just want to say that those of you that are not coming on Monday night, you're missing God's portion. I'm just telling you. I got to tell you because if not, I would be messed up. But you're missing God's portion. God is pouring out in men that are going to change the world. God wants us to be like Jeff Hath. He was able to bypass his past and get on with the future. And he became a champion amongst his family. If you read a little bit closer, you'll see that that very thing that caused him to be a eyesore to him. In verse 2, he says... Uh, Gilead's wife bore more sons and when the wife's sons grew up they kicked Jephthah out of his house and says you shall not have an inheritance in your father's house for you are of another woman so they were flaunting his past in his face so he could not get to his future if you're going to be a world changer you got to get past your past and overcome the obstacles of people that do not want and cannot see you as who God has called you to be you can say amen there too 
But this man did. He got past his past. He got thrown out of his house. And being distanced, his family realized they needed him. So when they were being attacked by their enemies, they go and get him and says, look, we forgot that God put you in this place with a purpose. And if you don't lead us, we don't have a leader. And if you don't fight, we will not win. And so he responds, he says, and why'd you guys throw me out in the first place? It's really comical how people come to terms. It says in verse 6, they came to Jephthah after they had thrown him out when the enemies were attacking him. Come and be our commander that we might fight against the people of Amnon. And verse 7, Jephthah says to his brothers who were the elders of the city, do you not hate me and didn't you kick me out of my father's house? Why have you come now when you are in trouble, when you're going through problems? But he got over all that scenario and he became their leader. And he decided to take his place in verse 11. Then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead and the people made him the head and commander over them. And Jephthah spoke all his words before the Lord in Mitzpah. This man had a relationship with God that overcame the obstacles of his past, the obstacles of his journey. And I, I believe God wants us to be expert leaders. And being expert leaders requires us to be able to be experts in communication. It's, it's that reason why God um, doesn't want us to open, we call it, Mouth foot syndrome. Every time you open your mouth, you stick your foot in it. You don't know how to communicate. I'm not talking about words tonight. Let's, let's start from the heart. All heart, all communication starts from the heart. That's where Jesus says from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And what affects the heart that causes to speak wrong and communicate wrong are affections. Our affections, our emotions, our sentiment. All that is the bedrock of the heart and those of you that do not guard your hearts you become unable totally to communicate and it renders your, you useless as a leader and the worst communication there is you tell me what's the worst communication there is no communication we were telling the men on Monday night you guys are expert grunters what What'd you say? That's a toxic heart. That is the total opposite of what God created man to be. Well, I'm not good with words. Every time I open my mouth, I offend somebody. Well, congratulations, champion. You're not going to be able to go to Argentina because they don't want to hear a Cuban. They're going to want to hear a communicator. They want to hear someone who can speak words that are beneficial and refreshing and fruitful. Desmond, Pastor Desmond in Switzerland, we started going there for five years in a row. He says, Joaquin, people hate your guts. But they can't deny that when you speak, they change. When you instruct them, their lives are transformed. In other words, when you communicate, they are blessed. So they keep on asking me to bring you back. And we must be this type of people. We're not to flatter people. We're not to go and tell people what they want to hear. We have the word of the Lord. We have, we have something that is beneficial. It was 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 5, where King David decided not to speak to one of his sons. He's such, he gets so angry when I speak to him, I'd rather just not speak to him. And so this Young man, instead of receiving the communication from his father, the Bible says Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself. It wasn't time for him to exalt himself. His father couldn't tell him because every time he tried to tell him something, he grunted and grumbled and got bitter and upset. And so that caused a distancing between a father and a son. So he exalted himself. And instead of hearing his father, he spoke to himself and said, I'll be keen. Capture that real good. He exalted himself and he said to himself, I will be keen. And he prepared for himself. Isn't that marvelous? In three sentences, there's me, myself, and I. 
He exalted himself. He said, I'll be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen, 50 men to run before him. Verse 6 tells us the problem. The problem was there was no communication. His father had not corrected him at any time by saying, what are you doing? What have you done? Why have you done this? His father could not rebuke him because every time he tried to talk to him, it was an offense. I shared with the youth in Argentina, when someone in authority is speaking to your life, the first words that should come out of your mouth is thank you. Why? Because that disconnects the devil's attempt to sow bitterness in your heart. Because the instruction that's coming is for your benefit, not for the benefit of he who's speaking. He's trying to give you wisdom and insight. You're trying to trample God's order and priority, and here it is. He had not rebuked him at any time, saying, what have you done? So he was very good looking, and his mother born him after Absalom. We don't want to commit these mistakes. We do not want to be grunters. We do not want to be bad communicators. There's nothing more soothing than when God communicates his word to our life. As God is speaking to us, that's, listen, just in case you thought that what's being attractive about our ministry is my good looks. Why are these people inviting this guy? He's ugly. He's lost his hair. What's going on? He doesn't even make for a good cover page. I'll tell you what's being attractive. People want to hear the word of God. People want to hear real word of God. People are hungry and thirsty for the word of God. And God has chosen a vessel. And you might not know it, but you're the vessel. You are the vessel of God to the nations. It's the word of God that must be on your lips. But you know what? It's not there. You're communicating with attitude. Let's not even talk about your words. Your communication is toxic. It doesn't leave for attractiveness. We correspond in likewise existence in the degree that we are able to communicate like God communicates. We are no more like the devil than when we are speaking wrongly, communicating wrongly, expressing ourselves in distorted manners. I want to suggest that you use this word. Ready? Repeat with me. Foul language. What's that mean? Anything that is not proper communication is foul language. It doesn't have to be curse words, although they are included. Foul language is filthy communication. We have all perfected the, the art of communicating by the rolling of the eyes. That's foul language. That's disrespectful. That's dishonorable. That's not being a vessel and a minister of God. That will not bring forth fruit that is attractive. So we're no more like God than when we're speaking the way God communicates. And we're no more like the devil than when we have perverted the expression of our communication in foul language. Um, I don't know if you know anybody that gives people the silent treatment. You know people like that? Say with me, foul language. This is, this is foul language. And we do this to our husbands. We do this to our children. We do this to our sons, to our daughters, to our friends, to our teachers. In, in the culture of Latin America, they have perfected that to a T. Pastor Oscar was telling me he comes to church and the people who he's won to the Lord, who he's discipled for two and a half years, who he's taught everything, he gets to church and they go, and they turn their head, like saying, I'm not going to acknowledge you. And they don't even know why they're doing it. And he's like, hey, 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 come here, come here, come here, what's up with you? And it's just a disgruntled heart. 
It's an offended attitude. Say with me, foul language. We haven't spoke the first syllable and we're being foul in our language, in our inability to communicate. It was said years ago, and I, I don't know last time I heard this. You guys tell me if you've heard this in this generation. I'm going to take you to the bathroom and wash your mouth out with soap. We don't say that anymore. It's not said no more because foul language has become as common and as ordinary as any other word we speak. So there is no more soap. And everybody has a barrage of their foul language to continue. I sat there in our church, this church, Spring of Life Fellowship, 15 years ago when we started, 16 years ago. And this man was offended. And he would come every service. And he would sit at the back and he would stare at the wall. Every service. He was like, I'm not going to acknowledge you, pastor. Nothing you're saying is coming in here. And he's just staring at the wall. He was faithful to come to every service. I would look at him and said, man, this guy is upset. He's offended. He's not speaking. He's not yelling. But he's as loud as all out. I'm not listening to you, preacher. I don't want to hear you. And so we do that. This is a common mindset. So we, we no longer practice the principle of washing out your mouth with soap. The reason they did that is because they figured that soap is a clean, because I know some of you didn't even get it. What's the... It's a detergent that washes and makes clean. And it's put in your mouth to disinfect all the toxic crapola that's pouring out. All the garbage, all the unpleasant expressions of the heart. And so here it is. We are not experts in knowing how destructive the consequences are of having been able to curtail our words that are coming forth from the tip of our tongues. We don't know the power there is in our inability to communicate. And we don't know how powerful the devil's using that to cause us to lose our inheritance. We don't know. We can't fathom it. We don't understand it. If it were, we wouldn't be in that course. We wouldn't walk a second in that direction. Studies in the University of Maryland have documented a Dr. James Lynch psychophysiological clinic at the laboratories of the University of Maryland have documented that when one communicates properly, it heals your cardiovascular system. I'm going to say like Pastor Rivera says, hello. <laughs> you have heart issues, my friend. You better make sure you're concerned about how you are communicating. Proven, tangible studies of the effects of communication upon the health of men and women. Your cardiovascular system will experience healing to the extent that you begin to understand that communication does not only involve gestures and spirit and speaking, but in listening. In fact, the studies show that blood pressure are affected and lowered when people decide to communicate properly. You have issues with blood pressure, my friend. You better check your communication. You better check your capacity to listen. He says they had people staring silently at blank walls. Because some people say, well, it has nothing to do with the communication. If you're in a room and you stare at a wall, then your blood pressure comes down. Then your cardiovascular system gets in order. No. These people who sat staring at walls continued with illness. And it was only those that perfected their skills in listening. And these skills in listening are essential for leadership. And they're essential for good health. Way before these studies, the Bible says in Proverbs 18.22 that every man will experience in his stomach and be satisfied to the capacity he's able to cater to the words in his mouth. Let me look that up now. Let's start in verse 20. Sorry, I ran ahead of myself. Verse 20. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. What you speak 
will settle well in your heart. I was a youth pastor for a long time. And we had 150 young people from the ages of 13 to 18. And many of them had come from divorced parents who argued all the time, who fought all the time. And they had serious digestive issues, these young kids. They had serious digestive ulcers. They had nervous system problems because of those arguments in the home between parents. From the product of his lips, a man shall be filled. The way you communicate will determine the satisfaction of what you desire and quench for, your thirst, your hunger. And then he goes on to perfect it a little bit just in case you didn't get that destiny is determined by the words and the communication that comes forth. Verse 21 where he says, both death and life are in the power of the tongue. Communication will determine your health. And those who love life will eat its fruit. Those who love the product of healthy communication. And it, it's all inclusive. It's your thoughts. It's your words. I don't know about you. Um, here's the travesty of the reality of communication. When I was starting college, I had a side job. And, and they hired us to do speed reading. And it was there that I learned that you can speak 150 to 300 words per minute. Some of you try to get 350. Speaking fast. But the fastest you can speak is up to 300 words. From 150 to 300 words per minute. But your mind has the capacity to receive 1,500 words per minute. That's why while I'm talking, you're thinking. You know, I gotta put out, did I put out the cat? Did I put out the dog? And I'm preaching and you still have room for, I got I to gotta do airfare tomorrow. I got to fly out. I got to pick up a, my dry cleaners. I got to yell at my wife. You're, you're thinking all these things. You're able to listen to 1,500 words. Your brain is able to take that in. That's why speed reading is close your mouth and move your eyes real fast. Because you're able to take in a lot more than what a person is able to speak. So here it is. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. But the curious thing is that it goes from the fruit of our mouth to our stomach, then it goes from life and death to our tongue, and then it goes to verse 22, talking about our wives. He who finds a good wife, a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Well, what's going on here? Listen, you're going to enjoy your marriage to the extent that you're able to authentically, genuinely, clarity, healthily are able to speak and to think and to, to move in that direction. Create a healthy environment. How many have a healthy environment at home? Don't raise your hands. Why? Because we're throwing darts at every cross turn. We're manipulating. We're playing chess. She's going to tell me this, but I'm going to answer that. He's thinking this, but I'm going to tell, and then I'm going to tell, and then I'm going to tell. And you're not listening to what they're telling you at the moment. You have a total lack of health in your marriage and in your family. Listen to me. You will never be a minister of God's grace without having perfected, matured your capacity to be used of God. Proverbs 12, 18 says, reckless words are like a sword that pierces. Words to hurt people. Words to affect them negatively. But the tongue of a wise man, after he's finished speaking, promotes health. Causes things to flourish, to become fruitful. The inability to ground ourselves. We said that, that communication is more than words. It's gestures. It's attitudes. It's sentiments. It's an infected heart. It's not being able to listen. It's not able to, to communicate, to be in, in relationship. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not err. New Testament. Do not, do not go the wrong direction. Bad communication. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Evil communication corrupts good character. If you cannot perfect what we're talking about tonight, 
Your whole being is infected. It's toxic. You need to be quarantined. Because without even you realizing it, every opportunity to open la boquita comes some sting of death, comes some uh, bitter, resentful, evil spirit. The Bible says it, in the, it declares it in the New Testament with all clarity. Put this out of your life. And it talks, it says, put unclean communication. And so we could, we could be here for endless days talking about what that is. But, but we're just scratching the surface. That however so slightly the devil has, has stung you with, with things that, that you didn't expect, you didn't want, you didn't occasion, you didn't, but he, he wants to throw a wrench. Because if he throws a wrench in your life, you're done. You're marred forever. And this corrupts your character. It makes for a horrible scenario for me to be, I'm happy. And, and on the outside, I have an appearance. On the inside, it's all fake. I'm carrying on a load of weight of burden. Luke chapter 6, verse 45, Jesus says these words, A good man brings good things out of the storage, out of all the good grain in his heart. He's, he's bringing forth the resources that are, are there to, from his heart. He's, he's offering that which is needed that which is a blessing, that which is refreshing, but an evil man out of his evil treasure of his heart brings mangy, infected, bacteria-laden, toxic bitterness. Here, come on. This is what I, this is what I, and you're just, all you're doing is, is getting people sick. It's not what God has called us to do. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is speaking. We don't know the damage that's being done. The greatest damage that I've seen as I travel ministering to families are bitter women who do not share their pain and their, their disdain and their, just the sentiments that are silent and, and secret only to themselves. And when dad is trying to lead the home, they're behind the scenes doing the bruja. It's called witch. They're doing the witchcraft, the magic potion. Dad, I'm resented at him. He doesn't acknowledge me. He doesn't love me. He doesn't embrace me. Uh, I'm going to use my child and to be able to fester. And we were talking about that this week as, as uh, I was reading, um, I was listening to the life story of, of Escobar, Pablo Escobar. His, his mom was so bitter and resentful. And, and she was just like lading her son's heart to become everything the disgusting man that he became. And you say, well, how could he be so evil? How could he be so wicked? This was from his youth, his mom spreading her bitterness into his heart. We're poor, we can't buy stuff. And she was just like pouring out all that toxic waste. And this man became the epitome of all that venom. The epitome of everything she ever spoke in silent, in her attitudes. And we create monsters. Verse 44, he says, each tree will be known by their fruit. For you cannot go <clears throat> and gather figs from a thorn bush, and you will not be able to make wine out of a briar bush, a bramble bush. These are, these are types of men. Resentful, irritable, thorny, upset, unsettled. You know, this is why the cross becomes so instrumental in our lives. I can tell you that I took all my bitterness and all the offense and everything, and it went upon Jesus at the age of 16, everything that has ever happened to me. I went and took it to the feet of Jesus. And now, after that, everything that has ever come from any direction has a place. I don't get bitter anymore. I don't get resentful. I'm not angry. It doesn't matter what people have done. There's, there's been a, a healing in my heart, and it's there for you too. Whatever the issue might be, for you to go to the cross and say, you know something? It doesn't matter what happens now, tomorrow, or forever. It's settled at the cross. And that's what makes us Christians. 
And that's why people freak out at us. Well, aren't you upset at them? Well, I'm not, I'm not happy. I'm not going to celebrate, but I have peace. Amen. Oh, but you should sue them. You should get back at them. No, it's settled. Accounts have been satisfied. And so that's what needs to happen. And that allows us to be able to take hope to the nations. Matthew 12, 31 he says, I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven people, but blasphemy against the Spirit shall not be forgiven. You will not be forgiven when you speak contrary to the Spirit of God. I didn't understand this verse when I first became a Christian, but to not be forgiven, and the people says, oh, um, have I committed this sin that God won't forgive me yet? And... People are tied up with that. In fact, there's a website that you could go to and they can say, they say, you can blaspheme the Holy Spirit there for sure. And so you go there and, and you put your name there and you, I declare, I blaspheme. And they do it on purpose. These people are destined to hell. They're so angry. But blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is God is telling you one thing and you are communicating another. That God is speaking to us clearly tonight to move in the direction to be expert communicators so that we can move in a different direction that will be a harvest of blessing. But if you go contrary to that, it's just a personal uh, decision of yours. Verse 33, either make the tree good and its fruit will be good, or make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood, verse 34, you bunch of vipers. What's a viper do? Every time they open their mouth, you have some people talk to you and you just leave. You're like, man, that wasn't nice. That, that hurt. That, that, that left me with a sentiment that is not from God. Amen. Just, that, that is poison. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is speaking. To saturate our hearts with the mind of God, with the wisdom of God. Verse 35, the good man brings out of his good treasure whatever is good. The evil man brings out of his evil treasure whatever is evil. Men that care about what we're talking about tonight, men and women who care, are going to go deep with this. They're not going to leave it at a superficial level. So they will say what David said in Psalm 19 verse 14. They're going to say these words, Lord, not only the words of my mouth, but let the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Even before I talk to my wife, I want to make sure that, that, that this, this has God's approval. This is vitamin C. This is not cyanide. This is not poison. This is not going to be toxic. This is not going to bring destruction. I have to tell them something. I have to tell them something. Listen, choose your words wisely. Meditate over your words. Pray over your words. Practice. Go and take what you're going to say to somebody else and let them filter it. I've had that happen before. Some, one time I was so angry, angry, angry. I started, my, the lawyer in me just go. And I had a whole page that was going to sink the Titanic. And I told somebody, could you please read this because I'm about to send this. And they said, oh, no. Don't, 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 because it's not going to do anything good. I said, but it's going to make me feel great. It's just don't. It's not going to be good. It's not going to be favorable. And the best thing I did was to grab that and scrunch it up and follow good and throw it away. And we need to be wise like that because the devil wants to use us to destroy relationships, to destroy what God wants to build. Lord, let the meditations of my heart be right, acceptable to you. You're my Lord. You're my strength. You're my redeemer. I love to see how God wants us to speak. In verse 7, he says, the word of the Lord is perfect. How many wish they could speak perfectly? Like not have to say, you know, when I called you a witch, I'm sorry. That was not the right word. You know, when I said I hate your guts and I wish you'd die and I stick a needle in your eye, I, that's not what I wanted to say. 
We could take back those words, but words are like bricks. Once they go, they're there. The bruises, the, the broken arms. The word of God is perfect. It transforms the soul. Don't we just want to fix the scenario and not just invent? We want it not to hurt us again. We don't want to go through the experience. Why can't we speak perfectly to convert the soul, to transform the, the sentiment? The testimony of the Lord is sure. He's not, double, he's not double guessing. Should I say this or should I not? Make sure you know what you're going to say. Make sure you've talked to somebody about what you're going to say. Make sure it's not a vengeful person. Because if you go, hey, should I call my husband a blockhead? And this lady's been divorced five times. Yeah, call him a blockhead and an idiot. So if you go to the wrong person, you get the wrong ammunition. Go to the right people. Make sure that you're walking in wisdom and not as a fool. He continues on to say in verse 8, these lines that he will write to communicate, the precepts of the Lord are right. They're righteous. They're fair. They cause a rejoicing of the heart. When God commands, it opens the eyes. As we speak to our children, we, we shouldn't just say, because I said so. I love when I'm around kids, and I say, be careful, don't do that. And they say, why? You don't say, because I say so. You say, because then I have to take you to the hospital to get 500 stitches across your forehead. You're going to bleed. And they go, okay. You communicate and you get results. You get a blessing on a return. The precepts of the Lord, they're pure, they're right. They enlighten the eyes. Look what it says in verse 10. These words are to be more desired than gold. They are sweeter than honey. By them, your servant is worn. And it allows him, verse 11, to, by them, there's a warning, and it gives great reward. There's a great consequences. Um, that, that has been the most powerful thing in our home for, with regards to our children. Our children says, Dad, we've been living, you for, we've been living with you for a while. And we've heard you speak in the life of so many people over all the years. And, and, and when you speak, exactly what you tell people is what they experience. And so they have learned, we, we got to listen to that. that. That is not speaking for speaking's sake. That is speaking because there's promise of fruitfulness down the road. There's promise of reward. So then... And David would say words like this, verse 13, keep me back, keep back your servant from being presumptuous, running ahead of instruction. That's presumption. Yeah, I'm doing my, uh, let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless. I shall be innocent of great error, transgression. Psalm 141, and we're finishing verse 3. He would pray these words. He would say, Lord, because there's power in communication, because there's a destiny in communication, because I could lose my inheritance and my, my promise, set a guard at the front of my mouth and keep watch over the door of my lips. Put, put the Holy Spirit there to stop me when I am intoxicating my family, when I am destroying my marriage. When I am stripping our family of the ministry call God has put upon our, our lives. Put a, a guard. I could, see, I could see a soldier there saying, shut up. Don't say that. Be careful what you say. In, in, in Argentina, I said the words, che, vos, callate. That was great communication. Give an opportunity for God to bless you without you being stuck on stupid. Your heart to be all mangled. Verse 4, don't let my heart get involved and to consent to evil things, to practice wicked works with men who work iniquity and do not let me eat their delicacies. And the Bible says delicacy, you're thinking about words that taste real good. Mmm, revenge. Mmm, how sweet it is. Mmm, and just wait till I have an opportunity. And with every surmising of your heart, you're distancing yourself from God's blessing, from his purpose.
it was there that he continued on to say, I don't want to eat the devil's fodder, his food, what he tempts me to go. I would rather a righteous man, verse 5, I would rather a righteous person hit me real hard because that will be kinder. Let him rebuke me and it will be like excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it. Oh, he's got rah, 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 rah. For still, my prayer is against the deeds of the wicked. I don't want what the devil has planned for me. Verse 6, he says the words, At the end of the day, when all is said and done, when everything is settled and done and people are falling off a cliff, they will have heard that my communication was sweet. Verse 7. Our bones are scattered at the mouth of the grave and when one plows and breaks up the earth, they will have heard that, that I'm, I'm not in the tombstone with others. James chapter 1 verse 19 says like this, My beloved, let every man be quick to hear. Let him be a good listener. Let him observe. Let him meditate. Let him be slow to speak. Slow to take offense. Slow to be angry. That guy's not a Cuban. He's not a Latino. Because Latinos are quick to speak, quick to get angry, quick to get upset. Slow to hear. The spiritual man is slow to speak, quick to hear. Verse 20. For in your anger, it doesn't promote the cause and the harvest of God in righteousness. So give me the game plan. I'm going to be slow to speak. I'm going to be fast to hear. I'm going to be slow to get angry and offended. I want to promote God's purpose and righteousness. Verse 21. So get rid of all foul language filthiness get rid of it we've perfected the art of having attitude have you seen in the black neighborhoods that's attitude that's perfecting rolling of the eyes stomping moving throwing tantrums have you seen LeBron when he's upset it's not to be with somebody who wants to change the world because the first thing we do is we stomp out of our homes and we leave our wives. We abandon our children. We get fired from our job. I remember uh, one of the men here at church, he says, Pastor, I just went, I went to the construction and I'm having issues with the guy there. And I said, listen, whatever you do, calm down and quit being angry and don't fight. And he went to work the next day and he told the guy, look, Pastor told me I'm not to do anything here. I'm not to get angry or tell you words, but let's go outside to the street. And he took the guy outside to the street, and they had a fist fight, and he got fired the next day. His livelihood was lost because he, did not, he didn't fight in the office, but he took the guy across the street. Because we cannot contain ourselves from expressing our sentiment. And God wants us to be champions so he says, get rid, James 1.21, get rid of everything that's filthy language. I want you to go home and I want you to put up a sign in your living room and no foul language allowed. No foul language community, right? Prohibited in this home. We're not going to do this. We're not going to slam doors. We're not going to kick walls. We're not going to punch the counters. Get rid of all filthiness because it overflows to more wickedness. And he says, rather receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. It's an exchange. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to be angry. Human anger does not produce righteousness. So get rid of all filth and evil and be humble. Accept communication in your hearts. It has the power to preserve your souls. Even those who think they're super spiritual, in verse 26, if anyone thinks he has an appearance of godliness, He's religious, but he can't control his inability to communicate properly. You're only deceiving your own heart. And your appearance of religion is useless. You're not going anywhere like that. You're not going to do anything for God. You're a toxic wastebasket. 
Colossians 3.8. Now, therefore, remove from yourselves everything that affects the heart. Everything that's a pressure upon the heart. Remove from yourselves and put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy, foul language out of your mouth. Get that out of your life. Get that out of your life because it's going to affect the following verses. Say your wife, your husband, your children, your fathers, and your employees where you work. Colossians 3.24 says, Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive reward of a great inheritance. For you are living for the Lord. You're serving God. Verse 25, But he that doeth wrong, he who continues to promote ungodly, toxic communication, he who does foul language will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no exception of persons. Don't think that you're going to go under the radar unnoticed. Proverbs 15, 28 says, The heart of the righteous always meditates before he answers. Always the heart of a righteous studies how to respond. I don't know what I told them. I don't know what I said. I said something. He said, no, you said I was, I was stupid. No, no, no. I didn't say it. Listen to me. You didn't even think about what you were going to say. You just said it. But the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. Doesn't even know the effects of his communications. Doesn't know the effects of when he opens his mouth. Ephesians 4.29, let no foul language, let no evil word. This is, this is intense as God is restoring, renewing. Let no, nothing corrupt, nothing rotten, nothing been sitting there for days. If you're trying to talk about something that happened in the past, it's probably something you should be highly careful because the things that happened in the past are very fermented. They've been sitting on your heart for a long time. They've been festering. It's almost like having an internal wound that has a lot of pus. And when that thing blows up, it's going to be on everybody's face. Maybe that's not the place to do it. Maybe you need to be at the doctor's office. And everybody has to be full of white gloves and, and covered. And, and oh, everybody step back. Here it goes. Wait, wait, it's not done. It's not done. Before you blow up and destroy, destroy future, destroy destiny, destroy the heart of your children. And he, he ties that on to come out of your mouth, but only that which is good. Look at, look at the, the filter. Ready? There it goes. Get rid of every foul, polluting, corrupt, evil word. Colossians, we were, I mean, um, Ephesians 4, 29. Put it back up there. It says like this. Let no rotten word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good, what is necessary, what is going to build up, that's going to help give grace to those that are listening. If, it does, if that filter is not on it, maybe you should clamp it and go talk to Yvette. Go talk to pastor. Go talk to a wise person. Put a filter there. Verse 30. Don't sadden the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't say it doesn't matter. I'm going to say it anyways because I'm going to feel better. It says why in verse 31 we speak these rotten words because there's bitterness. Because we're upset. We're offended. We're angry. We're, we feel there's an injustice. Evil speaking be put from among you because it leads to malice. Those things that are, verse 32, become youthful and helpful, useful and helpful and kind to one another tender-hearted, compassionate, loving, forgiving one another freely, constantly, as God forgives you freely and constantly. Let's stand tonight and thank the Lord for what we've heard tonight. How many believe we're headed to be world changers? Amen? Yeah. We're going to change our marriage, change our families. And God is so awesome in his, his time frames. I really believe that with every opportunity that we're exposed to the word of God and to his instruction, it prepares us for the next, for the next victory and triumph. And you want to repair this. God has been so faithful. Right before the storm, right before the devil's attack and snare, he builds a bunker. 
He allows us to see where the trenches are. He allows us to come in the refuge of his instruction, of his grace and mercy. And the word devil comes from a word that, that has the two in it, the division of vol, um, speaking twice, speaking things that are not consistent. And Matthew 5.37 says like this, when we're communicating this course and this course or not that course and not this course, let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you keep on changing that, uh, the psychologists have said that that's what produces psychopaths. When you say yes and two seconds later just because you're tired of your child asking you 20 times, you say no. When you change course it doesn't produce patterns in the brain to think clearly because they think well the no really means yes the guys in my law practice who killed their lovers and their wives were men who could not receive a clear no I don't want a relationship with you they every time the woman says I don't want a relationship with you they heard I do you just got to try harder and so they didn't have a clear path of a no being no or a yes being yes. They are all over the place. And when we develop spiritually in these mindsets that are twisted and distorted and perverted, and we say, I told one man, as I tell you, be careful, you treat my be careful as the mirrors that look back on a GM. It says objects look farther than they are, whatever, closer than they are. The objects in this mirror look farther than they actually are. You don't want an instruction that's not the real instruction. You don't want to tell your kid, no, and you mean yes, or he thinks that you meant yes. So if I ask her three more times, she's going to say yes. No. Make sure you, you can say this. Let me pray about it. Let me talk with your dad. Let me discuss it, and we're going to answer you so that you're not, your yes is not no. Dad said no. Yeah, but mom says yeah. And mom said, no, yeah, but dad said, oh, it's okay. So you're creating a psychopath. You're creating something that is super satanic because he won't be able to ever, when a cop tells him something, to understand that it's real. If I could manipulate, if I could undergird, if I'm emotionally strong, if I write her another five poems, she's going to say yes. And that's a sick puppy. That's a sick puppy. Because he can't take communication for what it is. As we sing to the Lord tonight, we're in the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is strong here tonight. Super strong. There's such an abundant grace here tonight. And God wants us to be experts representing his interest upon the earth. And that's when we begin to flourish. And that's when we begin to be fruitful. And that's when the earth begins to see that God has called us to do great things for him.